greetings and salutations, and welcome to Radio Days, a podcast radio program that delves into the world of terrestrial radio. It's DJs and on-air personality, and you, all fans of radio as a medium. Here's your host, Ron. Hey, hey there, and welcome to Radio Days, the podcast. Today's episode is produced by Ron Robinson Studios. If you need professional marketing videos or professional photography, maybe you need drone footage from a licensed drone pilot, head over to ronrobinsonstudios.com. You can also hear previous episodes of Radio Days, the podcast there as well. And uh, if you're wondering, this podcast can also be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, among other streaming services. And if you are new to this podcast, I produce this show to promote an upcoming documentary about the history of radio. Coming soon, be on the lookout for Radio Days 101 Years of Radio. And of course, if you'd like to help and become a producer for this documentary, click on the Patreon or PayPal links at ronrobinsonstudios.com or click that heart icon if you're listening on the Buzzsprout page. Before I welcome this week's guest to the podcast, I want to bring in a pre-guest, if you will, to talk about what is in store for Radio Days, the podcast, for Season 3 and beyond. Um, With just a couple of weeks remaining in this Season 2 of Radio Days, the podcast, I think it's a good time to talk about what we have in store for you in Season 3, which will kick off in the beginning of June, just a few weeks away. And uh, so to help explain what you uh, can look forward to, um, is a good friend of mine, Paul from NRM Streamcast in Royal Oak. Paul, how are you, sir? Good morning, Ron. How are you doing? I am better than a man should be allowed to be. I, I want to thank you for coming on and, and joining me today to kind of talk a little bit about uh, uh, not only what people can expect from this podcast, but NRM Streamcast for for people who may not know. Um, who and what is, before we get into what this means for Radio Days, the podcast, who and what is NRM Streamcast? Talk a little bit about what our followers can expect from Radio Days, the podcast moving forward. Well, I'll give you the short, short definition of what it is and not give you the whole history, how we got into it. Maybe we'll get into that a little later. But um, Streamcast was developed uh, a little over five years ago, basically out of a need that I had a radio show on ESPN, a business talk show, and uh, got tossed off for college football. And so I told my son, hey, what are we going to do? Or what I'm going to do, I'm going to go buy more airtime. He said, Dad, you're a freaking idiot. It's all shifting <laughs> to streaming and, and video. And so he showed me numbers, and we started our journey almost six years ago uh, with Streamcast. And, and it's really interesting because you've interviewed Buzz Van Houten and talking about Buzz and the radio world. Buzz is one of my partners. And when he had to define what Streamcast was to his friends who knew Terrestrial Radio, he said, listen, TV and radio go over broadcast. Uh, we go through the Internet. We stream through the Internet, and we own the trademark Streamcast. So it's really an audio-video programming of it and people say podcast podcast definition is audio only uh, streamcast is audio video we own the trademark so streamcast is a, a network we're building around the country that really mimics a traditional network an abc nbc cbs with local hyper local content and national content so we're building that local content and uh your show uh being at national will probably be on the local but also hit the national airwaves when you start streaming audio and video Moving forward, season three, the people who enjoy listening via just audio, that'll still be there. But what I find exciting is now you'll you'll be able to watch it via video. Um, whoever my guest is, and, and some of the big names we got coming up are very exciting, which we'll talk about. But um, as far as just if they want to watch the the podcast, they'll be able to do that from the NRM website, right? Yeah, we'll break your streamcast, but it will the podcast. They can hear the audio only. Um, we're distributed through about 23 channels. You know, it's different in terrestrial radio 
that in the streaming world, you want multi, you know, multi-channel distribution. Uh, your numbers add up in our server, but you never know what kind of device, whether it's a car, a phone, a tablet, uh, anything uh, that people can listen on, and, and we give that variety. So let's talk about that. Season three starts in June. It'll be a streamcast, and I'm going to have to get used to seeing that. I'm, I'm used to calling it a podcast, but it's moving well, forward. It'll listen, be a streamcast. We've got a whip right between the chairs, so you'll come out red the first couple of shows. But uh, you know, you'll get streamcast, and you'll see it. What's interesting is that you know, audio is not dead. Radio is not dead. I like to say that. Um, we're working with some radio stations uh, around the country that we've signed to give them a video platform in addition to their audio. Um, they just need more income streams, as we all know. So as we give them video and income streams there, uh, these radio stations are now just going to their customers and clients and say, hey, we can run your video now, too. Uh, I mean, I just don't have to be on TV now. What can I do? So now they can get both their audio and video ad and run it on one of their platforms, whether it's streamcast platform, let's say Traverse City, or it's the radio station. So for people who want to tune in via the streamcast moving forward, how how will they be able to see it? Where can they see it? Well, it's it's interesting. They'll be it on it's on Roku, it's on Firestick. It'll be all over our place. Our app, our website will be on different platforms, but we'll also be on our app and our website, NRM Streamcast, um, along with uh, people will be linking from radio stations to our our thing. So back and forth from station sites on the hyper hyper local side. Another exciting thing that I'm really excited about is. Uh, now that we'll be joining you on NRM streaming, there are now sponsorship opportunities for, for, for businesses to have access to. Paul, could you talk about uh, the benefits that sponsors of this podcast will enjoy moving forward? What will sponsors get out of this podcast and what should they expect if they, if they decide to become a sponsor of this podcast? Well, once again, with streamcast and, and podcast both, but what we do is that you've got, you know, in the world of streaming, um, the old days of 30 second spots are gone. Uh, people don't want things intrusive. There could be a pre-roll. So your sponsor would say, hey, uh, you know, so-and-so presents, McDonald's presents radio days, and that's the pre-roll. Um, you know, most people today in the streaming world and when cable came in, uh, they're channel surfers. They don't want to hear the spots. They don't mind hearing the people that present it to you. The other thing is, you know, we're video. So on the bottom of the screen, they could have a watermark that says, you know, sponsoring it. What's nice about that, that doesn't go away. So as your, your show's on, on perpetuity, people can see that every day. It's the gift that keeps giving. Right. So if someone gives you $5 for a spot, uh, every time someone sees they're going to see the spot. It's not like they got hit that one-second spot or 30-second spot in the middle of a show. Well, you know, it's funny about that is sometimes uh, I'll put out a new podcast and and someone the, – the, the one I did with Dick Purton or maybe John O'Leary will get even more listens that week than the one I just put out. It's, it's, so it's, 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 it, it's never ending. So once you're a sponsor for, a, for that particular episode – or that particular segment, because that's another thing we talked about is, you know, we're going to keep these to probably to a close to an hour and we're going to break sponsorships up into three segments. So it's not something where, you know, you, you'll be able to watch it in segments. You don't necessarily have to, to, to watch the whole thing, which I think, especially in, in 2022, people, you know, kind of will come back to something where they don't have to sit through the whole thing. It's, it's, we, we, we watch and listen to things differently. Yeah. We, we look at 18 to 20 minutes as a, as a time frame that, We've studied over the last six years that people like to listen to. They like it in one sitting, uh, but they could be addicted, like binge watching. So they can watch all the segments. It depends on their time. You know, it's, it's a funny story. I, um, I, I'm a 60 minutes junkie. Uh, I had to be home at seven o'clock on Sunday nights. Right. Uh, sometimes I was at a party hoping the football game ran late so I could be there uh, until my son slapped me pretty hard several years ago. Dad, we're in the streaming world. Go home tonight at 11. 
watch it with all the commercials stripped out. Bear Aspen presents it. And I enjoy the 18, 20 you know, minute segment straight through. And that's people's viewing, viewing habits today. And of course, if you are interested in becoming a sponsor of, uh, of the season three of any of the episodes, and we're going to have some big names, uh, some people who've already committed Danny Leach, we got, uh, Ken Calvert and we're working on many others, but, uh, you just shoot me an email at ron at ronrobinsonstudios.com and uh, make sure you pass, you know, pass all that information on to you. Paul, uh, before I let you go, uh, is there anything you, you, you'd like to add or maybe I didn't bring up? Well, you know, Ron, it, it's going to be an honor working with you um, on, on a bunch of projects. I think that people today, whether it's uh, an, 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 inv- an interview with someone who's popular or anyone with a business out there today, uh, if you don't have video on demand, you're not in business. And COVID taught that to everyone. You know, to that so, point, I want to, well, let's let's give you a plug because not only will you be partnering with Radio Days, the podcast, you do podcasts, you mentioned it, for, for businesses. Um, talk a little bit about what you offer to businesses to do their own podcast. How does that work? Well, it, it's, it's well, we've learned it. We learned the formula. In the beginning, um, we thought we'd be uh, a one-all, cure-all. We, we decided that we're the platform and the production company in the studio. So we work with social media companies to market it because anyone can put content on the internet. But find it. I always tell people this example. If I took a coffee bean and I put it under a car at 12 Oaks Mall in Novi, and I was the only one who knew it was there, would anyone, you know, you tell a guy, go, to, go find the coffee bean. Well, that is the content in the Internet. So you have content on the Internet, and, of course, everyone wants it viewed. Well, we also figured out the formula how to get those people to find that coffee bean um, and, and affordable. What's neat about the digital streaming world is that out of all medias, it's trackable and accountable. So we can look at every show, how many people listen, what kind of device, how long. We're data-driven. Numbers don't lie. I, I love listening to radio still. I look at it. I listen to it. But at the end of the day, today's marketing advertisers want to know how many people, how many people saw it. And it's more scientific than traditional media. So, you know, it's there. Um, you know, numbers are changing. Traditional media down. Streaming's going up. Cable's coming down. And streaming within the next two years will be the number one uh, form of delivering any kind of media. And to me, that's the, the thing I'm most excited about, Paul, is because, you know, I can say to a, a sponsor, say, hey, you're getting, this is what you're getting. And this is how many eyeballs are seeing your, you know, your business name and your content. That makes me sleep better. And I know from, from a ROI investment type of situation, you know, you're getting a return on investment because we can show you, hey, this is how many people tuned into this. And this is how many people, you, you know, your business, uh, you know, had eyeballs looking at you. So I, I'm, I'm, I love that. And I love this data driven and, and it's just, it, it really increases the ROI and it, you, you get what you pay for. And sometimes a lot more, in, in fact. Well, I add one more to that, Ron. Um, content is king. So let's say you did an interview with a company or a person. Uh, they now have content for their website. You know, a professional interview is worth a lot. Right. Uh, you know, you look at PR companies, uh, which are having an issue now because there's less media outlets for them to get people press. So we have PR companies coming here and creating content for their clients um, because of content's king. Once again, uh, when a person builds a site, people expect to see video today. Right. Uh, videos everywhere. I mean, when I have a problem in a car, I no longer go to the owner's manual. I go to YouTube and say, I got locked out of my car. How do I get in? Right. And I watch a two minute video or, you know, or we're all, we can all become professional plumbers. You know, this, I can't find a plumber. Okay. Go to YouTube. What do I do? Uh, on demand video is where it's at. And what's nice about, it, especially with what you're doing in your show, adding another dimension, whether you want to show an album cover or a picture of someone, 
Um, you know, it's it's back to where vinyl's coming back. People want the warm sound, but they like to read the lyrics and, and look at the artwork. So, you know, you look at what's old is new again. And I yeah. look at this as we're really not inventing anything. We're just changing the delivery. Paul Bensman, thank you so much for coming on. And, and again, it's very exciting news for this podcast starting in June. Uh, we will be streaming uh, with uh, with our partners here at NRM Streamcast. Paul, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you, sir. Hey, Ron, it was an honor and a pleasure. We'll see each other soon. Now that we've taken care of the housekeeping for Radio Days, the podcast, I'm really excited about my guest today because we will be discussing a department of radio that, quite frankly, doesn't get talked about nearly enough and most listeners really know very little about. However, if you ask people who work in radio, they will tell you uh, the success of any radio station relies heavily on this department, and that department is promotions. Fact is, every successful radio station has had a strong promotions department. My guest today made a career working in promotions and marketing. She's been on the air a few times, too, by the way, which we'll talk about. And she's worked at 96.3 WDVD, W4106, and 104.3 WOMC. Did I mention that she's a graduate of Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the multi-talented Holly Cardinal. Holly, how are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I, I, th- I think I asked you, how are you? How, how are you? I meant to say thanks for joining me. But yeah, how are you doing? You okay? <laughs> uh, you're welcome. And um, I'm great. <laughs> now, before we get into your career in radio, let's go back. Uh, before radio was an idea for you as a career, what were you listening to on the radio when you were growing up? Well, I remember um, listening... I mean, I, my genre is all over. I loved everything. And I think it's because um, my dad was really into music. Um, he actually played in a band when he was younger and he opened up for Bob Seger. Um, so that was his uh, wow. claim to fame. <laughs> so, um, but so we, I listened to everything. And I remember as a kid walking around with my, um, you know, we had to catch a song on the radio and like record it with a with a tape recorder thing, like, you know, Oh, Ebony and Ivory's on. I love that song. For some reason. <laughs> I got, I got to, I got to record that. But, um, so yeah, I was all over. I, I mean, classic rock pop. I mean, you know, Michael Jackson, of course, in the eighties. Well, you before know, you go everybody. into that, there was an art to that recording. Cause you didn't want the DJ. You just wanted the song. And sometimes they would right. post up. It was, it was, it was an art to recording. Yeah. 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 We, I learned about posting from that. <laughs> like, man, this guy's too good. But, but, Were there any DJs? Uh, you know, because I know you grew up in the Detroit area. What uh, personalities did you dig in on? I, I don't. I to be honest with you, names I can't even think. Like I, oddly, um, it's kind of a funny thing. Um, like Dick Purton was always a name that people knew. Yeah. Um, Tom Ryan is Count Scary. Um, I remember running into them at a restaurant, and then years later working for both of them. So, yeah, and I have questions cool. about that, so I don't want to jump the gun here. But yeah, those were two of, you know, Count Scary for everybody growing up in Detroit yeah. at that time. Count Scary, that was awesome. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I just remember seeing them in a restaurant eating together, and and I said I knew it was Dick Purton, and then my parents said, oh well, that's Tom Ryan, that's Count Scary, and I'm like, wait, you know, I was more excited to see him than like, is Count Scary no makeup? Oh my gosh, it's like breaking <laughs> news. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of that was kind of fun. So when and how did you know that you wanted to pursue a career in radio? How old were you? And and do you remember that moment in time? I do. I mean, my kids, I have kids now. Um, I have a couple teenagers and they, I don't know, my son thinks he's going to be in the NHL and I, maybe he will. I don't know, but you know, let's have a backup. But I knew in high school, um, maybe even earlier, I just loved radio. I loved, um, and not necessarily, well, the music was definitely it, but I was more interested in the behind the scenes. Um, 
I thought maybe at one time I would want to be on the air, but then once I got into radio that I, I liked the behind the scenes, but I, so I kind of always knew, <clears throat> excuse me, knew. And in high school, I took a class. It was a radio broadcasting class, which in hindsight was pretty lame, but it kind of, you know, gave you a, a, a rough idea of what to uh, expect. Um, but they they don't more engineering. Listen, I'm not smart enough for all that engineering stuff. <laughs> so so uh, no, but um, but I always knew. I don't know. I just had, and I think I thought it would be a fun environment, which I was not disappointed. And and that was one of my favorite times. Um, and, was just working in radio. And that <laughs> ambition took you to Specs Howard. I want to talk about before we get into your career. Let's talk about the curriculum. You mentioned the engineering aspect. Was Tom Prophet there when you were a student? He was, he was. And that he class was, was hard. I was one of the last classes yeah. in, in 2000 to take that class before they got rid of it. That class was difficult. Oh, they did get rid of it? Eventually, oh, what yeah. The heck? I should get an extra, like, um, <laughs> I don't know, certificate or license or something. Like, I passed this with Tom Profit. Um, yeah, him and Dick Kernan were awesome, awesome um, instructors and just funny and real. Um, but yeah, so I graduated um, in June of 91, and that October, I went to Specs and started, um, so I had not quite turned uh, 18. I was turning 18 that October, um, and I just remember, you know, at that time, I don't know how it is now. I guess they moved to Lawrence Tech or are in the process yeah. of lo- uh, moving to Lawrence Tech, um, but at that time, it was you kind of, it was audio and, you know, television and radio, so um, but I wasn't really interested in in the television part of it. Um, and then as soon as they they said, oh, well, you know, they tell you don't 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 go and and uh, get internships quite yet. You're not quite ready. And I thought, well, screw this. Like, why am I going to wait for the whole crowd to go? So that day I went home and went through the yellow pages and called every radio station in the area. <laughs> until somebody allowed me to come in and talk. So um, and that's that was 96.3. And that was the start. So February of 92, I started there. Now, before we get into that, because there's something I wanted to ask you about that we talked about in the pre-interview is, is, and this is something that people forget, is when you were going through there, I think in the late 90s, early, the early 90s, rather, yeah, uh, yeah. you had to have a license to get into broadcasting. Talk about yeah. that. I mean, because you, you kind of you told me you jumped the gun and, and, and you just went right away to get the license. What, what did that entail and why, to talk a little bit for those who don't know, especially this new generation, license, what do you mean licensed? What, what did that entail to get a broadcast license? Well, we had to take um, we had to take the course, obviously the courses, and then we had to take these tests. And a lot of that stuff was engineering questions. You know, you oh god, it was awful. That test was awful. It was how many kilowatts of well, I was like, <laughs> you had to know all these crazy things. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just trying not to lick the outlet over here. But um, I, I, so I somehow um, made it through <laughs> that part. Um, and yeah, I was, and I was licensed, but, um, I had already secured a paying internship was, which was also, um, unheard of, um, getting an internship that they actually paid you for. So, um, a paid internship. I, I, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's a unicorn yeah. these days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so once I got my foot in there, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. So anything that was available, I volunteered for it all. So I kind of did every area other than sales, which, um, uh, Jeff Marcero, I love him so much, but he um, he really wanted me to get into sales, 
And I'm like, I can't, he's like, are you kidding me? You could sell anything. You've got to come on these sales calls, which I ended up going on sales calls, but only for the alcohol <laughs> and <laughs> for the drinks. <laughs> so, but, um, but that was the only, um, probably, and I did work with the sales, um, team in the fact that they, um, started asking me to write, um, copy for them. So I started writing commercials um, which was another, I, I've always been interested. I'm just have that creative yeah. part of me, I guess. I, I, I did it all. I just volunteered for anything and I, I'd like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. If you fail, you fail. But if not, Hey, fake it till you new. make it. But you mentioned that your yep. first job was at 96, three WDVD. Very mm-hmm. cool. First radio station. Cause you get to walk into the Fisher building every day. Talk about uh, the, the beginning of your career there at 96, three. What were your responsibilities? Um, well, when I first started, I was an intern and, um, I went through four format changes and, you know, call letter changes and all that stuff. But, um, during my time there, but when I first started, it was like rap, like hip hop rap. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't really my whatever, but okay, we can get past that. So I, um, I did, and what a beautiful building and what an opportunity to work in that place. Like so historic. Um, we were on the 21st, 22nd and 23rd floors. And when I first started, I, called people and I did a survey and it was so mindless, but I had fun with it. Um, and there was a group of people, which I still talk to, to, to this day, um, that we did that. And once they said, Hey, we need someone to do, you know, produce the midday show. I'm like, I'll do it. I'll try it. So I worked with Michael J. Fox and, um, worked with him for a few years and that was a lot of fun big name in the marketplace for sure big name michael j fox and yeah he would take these enormous bathroom breaks and would leave me (laughs) to um play his um (laughs) then then that's when i learned to um run the board um he would record his his you know his breaks and back then that was the reel to reel still still i mean that was you know, I'm old, I'm 48. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not like this digital they have now, I guess it's just crazy, the digital editing and all that stuff. But so yeah, I learned um, to run the board when he would leave and he would just record his, his, um his breaks. And, and, and now Michael is like syndicated all over the country. Yeah. So well, I'm still waiting for him to call me with Dolly Parton. I'm pretty And we're going to talk about this. I, I have to ask you about Dolly Parton. We will in a second. But, you know, it, obviously, you know, everybody thinks about being on the air in radio is, is, is probably the funnest gig. But I, I contend at every radio station I've been to, it seems like the promotion department, they, that's the toy department. But as I mentioned in the, in the, the top, promotions is key to creating a, success, a successful radio station. Could you talk about what a promotions department does and what kind of duties – every team has because it's it's not just about running the board there's there's a lot to it talk about what a promotion department is responsible for i mean promotions that's getting the the name out there really um you know there's you've you know it's such a um a machine so the sales works very much with the marketing and the marketing works very much with the promotions and so the sales secures their client and then the client wants to do some sort of promotion with the with the um radio station. And so you're promoting, you know, not only your radio station, but you may be at a a club or you may be at, you know, opening of a store or whatever. So um, that stuff goes hand in hand, but people, it is insane. The, um, then anyway, um, they'll know, oh, so-and-so is going to be, you know, Michael is going to be at, you know, at this club tonight, we have to go, we have to go. And people would show up just to get a sticker or, uh, you know, just to be seen with these people. Um, so it, it's, it, you know, it created quite, that was your job, create the buzz, 
get the people in and then the club's happy, the station's happy. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how many people lose their mind when they see a T-shirt gun. That's ready to I go know, on. It's right? crazy. A t-shirt? Are you kidding me? No. Um. But in addition, another cool thing, and 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 I, I, this this wasn't on my question list, but another cool thing promotions. When a band comes to town, mm-hmm. it's somebody from the promote promotions department to be to kind of wheel them around. Have you ever had a yeah. situation where you were kind of driving somebody to the, to the station or maybe to a venue? Um. Yeah, I pretty much had to be in a limo. I don't know if you remember with um, Criss Cross, the boys that wore their pants backwards. Criss Cross will <laughs> make you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a. I had. I was in the limo with them and took them to the venue because um, they were kids. <laughs> so, so I can't let these little youngsters running around. Um, no, but we had, and that was like a really. It that looking back now, I had a lot of opportunities. Um, and it, when you're in it, you just don't think about it. I wasn't ever, I was never the person that took pictures with everybody, which now I kick myself, you know, all the time, but, um, I'll say, oh yeah, you know, I, I remember one of the, um, and you get to know record reps too. Record reps are huge. Um, a nice little, I didn't pay for tickets or, or CDs for, um, years, you right. know, nearly, you know, probably 12 years. Um, so, but you know, when, uh, when, certain artists would come to town. Um, one I can think of was um, Gwen Stefani, whenever her, wow. whenever she would come to town, um, her, her um, record rep would call and, Hey, she's in town. And, you know, so me and a couple other other friends, we, we'd always make it to her show and hang out and whatever. So, so yeah, we had great opportunities for sure. Um, and, and meet and greets and stuff. People would love, you know, you know, just to have that five second, like, Hey, how are you sign a thing and move on. That was huge to those people, you know, to the, to the fans. And that's what makes an artist anyways, to have those fans. Right. And in the promotions department, especially you've already mentioned three or four things. You never did the same thing twice. That's one of the things uh, that appeals to you. Yes. Talk about how that job changes on a day to day. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, and for me, I, um, I worked with Rick Gillette. Um, he was the program director for the majority of my time at 96, and I love him so much. He uh, was a wild man. So just coming in every day, you just never knew what kick he was going to be on. Um, so that was always something to, um, okay. And then I think now, like, how did I do that? Because I would be in the office 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, um, do my you know office work, write commercials, set up. Because um, I, I wrote like um, the weekly countdown. I would write that. Um, I would write commercials for some of the sales people. I would voice commercials. Um, and then, then I would go out at night and do, you know, do the thing, you know, the club or whatever. And we could leave at midnight, but we always stayed later (laughs) and then be back in the morning again. I'm like, man, how did I do that? I guess it was just youth, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the same. And that's what did appeal to me. And that is kind of what spoiled me a little bit um, after, because I can't imagine doing a job where I'm just sitting and doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's not for me. But So how long were you at uh, 96.3 and why, and when and why did you leave? Um, let's see. I think I was there six and a half years. Um, and a format change and I had made it through four of them. And then everyone just kind of got wiped out. Eventually everyone gets fired. Right. <laughs> so yep. I took the hit. Um, but 
I didn't feel bad about it. I had really great opportunities there and I met a lot of um, great people. And I just remember um, when that day came, I was just like, well, thank you so much for everything that you've taught me. And, you know, uh, radio is so small. You, it's crazy. You'll find, oh, you know, in fact, I went to W4 and who was there, but Michael J. And he was broadcasting. I'm like, hey, <laughs> didn't know you were here. Party's back together. Um, but yeah, so you just never know who you're going to work for again. So I knew at that age, like, do not burn a bridge. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can go out one of two ways. You can just be, you know, really upset or you can just take it like, hey, everybody gets fired in this industry. And if you don't, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so, you know, happens. I, I don't mind t- taking the time to tell this story. It's a good time for you to take a, a little water break if you're per- okay. parched. But uh, <laughs> to, to that point, um, I remember when I was a student at Specs Howard. And and you remember the class where you had to be on the news and then you would be the camera guy, then the weather person oh, and that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, while we were waiting for that, there was a, another student who really didn't understand their duties and I was trying to explain it to them. And it was our turn to come in. Well, I walked in right after him. He got to take his post and my instructor sat, told me to sit down. And I was going to take a zero because I was late. And I was I was upset, but I took it. I didn't say a word. And, uh, and, and I took the zero. I mean, I was, you know, I enjoyed it. So it's not like I, I, I got good grades, just like most people right. who do, who, 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 you know, put in the effort. But I think it was four years later and I had just gotten, uh, let go from my second job and I was interviewing as an instructor to, to be an instructor at Specs Howard. And the person that gave me that zero was now responsible for the hiring. He cited that incident, the way I handled it, as why he hired me as instructor. That name, his name was Donnie Hobbs. I don't know if he was there when you were there, but 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 that's to a point you don't burn bridges. If I would have had a cow and made a a big stink of it, who knows? I wouldn't have had that opportunity. You know what I mean? So you you never you never because bad things happen. But I always equate being in radio kind of to being a manager in the bigs. You're going to get another gig. Because yep, there's so many yep. variables. Most of the time, it's yeah. not even your fault why you get let go. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it is, like I said, I had made it through um, four format changes and I thought I was pretty lucky then. Enough a lot. is enough. Yeah. You know, like people, um, entire um, on-air staff would just be like, okay, well, we're changing formats and you don't fit it anymore. So, bye. <laughs> so I'm like, don't okay, let well, the I'm going to another you. one. Yeah. Yep. As Dick Kernan would say, don't let the door hit you where the Lord split you. <laughs> I miss that guy. Um, talk uh, about how you got hired at 106 W4, WWW. Oh, uh, yeah. I um, I just called, you know, I, I called up their um, promotions department and just, um, you know, hey, I, you know, didn't make the cut this time and I'm looking. And so it was in the summer. And so I remember they had, um, I think it was their huge hoedown thing that they had. Yeah at Hart Plaza. Um, and they said, all right, well, let's, you know, they said, let's try out, see what you do. And I remember one of the first things I did was I stood in someone's wedding. They had some, <laughs> these people got married and I remember, um, Holly Hutton, she, um, is now on 99.5 and her and I, um, were hired in at the same time. And we just looked at each other, like, what are we doing? We're standing in a tuxedo in somebody's <laughs> wedding. <laughs> like, this is like legal. That's awesome. Um, so, but that's what radio is. It was crazy and it was fun and it was, you just like never knew what to expect. But, um, so yeah, then they hired me on there. Um, I didn't stay there very long, um, just because that other opportunity came up with, um, OMC. And I mean, that station is, 
pretty iconic right. and they have, you know, dream crews and all that. So well, before we um, get to OMC, I do want to ask you a couple of questions. How was, but even though you were there for a short time, how was W4 different than what you were doing at DVD? Um, well, I mean, different, whenever you have a different format, it's, it's slightly different, but the premise is the same. Um, now country people are hardcore fans. I mean, they are serious. So, um, they know everything about everything and in, in like, oh, this artist or this DJ or whatever. I mean, they're serious. Like, I can attest to that. I, I was doing mornings in St. Joe Benton <laughs> Harbor and I said something bad about Randy Owen from Alabama. And I remember the next week I was at like some event at a bar and this woman cracked open a Budweiser bottle and put it up to my neck and told me never to speak ill oh, of Randy Owen. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I got it. Yep. So, so very they are hardcore. Yeah. People. Very passionate people. Um, um, but yeah, so it was basically, I mean, it was the same because the age group was kind of the same. Now it took a little different when I went to the OMC, the oldest station, but in those two stations, they were pretty comparable because they have the same, you know, um, you know, the same age group right. of listeners. So, but I do want to ask you before we move on from W4 to, uh, to OMC is, you were there during the country wars and you mentioned W4 at that time had the hoedown, which eventually went to young country. Talk about the talk from your perspective. What was it like to be part of that country war? Cause that was, that was an exciting time in Detroit radio for country fans specifically. Yeah. I mean, um, I didn't know a lot of, I mean, obviously you listen to your competitor and you you know, you try to, you know, be one up them somehow, but, um, so I do remember like people were pretty split between who they liked on, you know, watch stations and, and, um, and if I'm completely honest and Hey, it, it, the proof's in the pudding W4 is no longer around. <laughs> so, so it seems like they may have won that, but, um, but yeah, just like the, it's just the passion of the people of the listeners of those stations. Just, um, I mean, they just, they drive the, the, ratings and i don't know people don't really know ratings but you know they come out and, and it's a huge deal and that determines who stays and who goes sometimes in in the behind the scenes the the program manager or you know the program directors and all that stuff so and country fans um, as you mentioned they're very loyal too in addition oh, to yeah. passionate yeah yeah um yeah it was it was a wild time just um we i don't know like that it was so quick for me um, there that I didn't really get to dig in too much right. with um, all of that. But, but I mean, like I knew right away, you can just tell like the, the listeners were, I mean, they, they and they show up and, and you'd think that you would think Elvis was there. I mean, the amount of people that would show up to these, to these events was nuts. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? It's right. Tuesday at like noon. Well, come on. <laughs> but well, I, I, I know that you have this, I don't know if it would be called fan, maybe some would call it an unhealthy view of the lovely and talented Dolly Parton. Is this where this passion well, about just, such a great musician, because we're going to talk about your, no. your, your infatuation with Dolly Parton. Did it start there or was it before that? Or So that, in fact, when I was younger, so my grandpa, he was born in North Carolina. And he um, wasn't a huge country fan, like in the, in the sense of like, I mean, he would listen to like old stuff from like the thirties. I mean, like old. So something about um, Dolly, he would always kind of make fun of her, you know, a little bit with her voice, like, Arr! 
you know, like her little, her little vibrato. And I'd be like, grandpa, she's so cool. Like stop making fun of her. So it was kind of like a connection to my grandpa, I think. Um, but then I got an opportunity to see her in concert at the Fox theater. And I was so blown away by her talent. Um, and she writes songs. I mean, she writes songs for herself. She writes songs for other people. She's able to sing. She's, but the number of instruments that that woman can play is incredible. Um, and her storytelling, her storytelling is insane. And so I may have been to Nashville recently and I may have stalked her out and I may have taken a picture outside of her gate from to her house, but that uh, I will not confirm nor deny. So. <laughs> Good. We will move on. We, we don't want to get any trouble. I don't think the statutes of limitations have. Uh... All right. So now you left W4 to you had a great opportunity at OMC. Talk about this transition and in, 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 again in the promotions department, right? Yeah. And so I went to I went for an interview. I remember I met with the um, general manager um, at that time was Elaine Baker and Bill Stedman was the um, program director. And um, so they hired me. They just looked at, you know, my resume and what I brought. And um, they thought that, hey, this is an opportunity to maybe get some some youth into our station and to change things up a little bit. And you can bring some ideas of things that you did, um, because I think what happens sometimes is people get stuck and they do the same things and it gets old. <laughs> and then, you know, so they want to breathe new life into it. So they um, said, you know, come on and, and tell us what you did over there. So um so yeah, I, I started there and let me see, I'm trying to think of what time of year that was. I want to say it was just before the dream cruise, which is insane. Um, just how they do that. Um, they at that time would do the dream cruise the day after the dream cruise. Um, well, they, they took a day that following Monday after the dream cruise, they would start planning for the next year. It was that crazy, but that was their big, you know, their big thing, the yearly annual ta-da so um but yeah so my job there was to they wanted me to you know come up with some fresh ideas so you know so it was kind of nice to to have that and feel a little bit valued there um and sounds I like a cool up, gig I, yeah i worked with um tom ryan um and i had an opportunity to um do a couple things with dick Purton on air um you know he's always looking for an extra voice um and it was so you know like there's so many, um, big Al, there's so many people that he worked with that are, you know, just, I have such fond memories of like doc and stuff. And so do you have a favorite memory from working with Dick and Tom Ryan? Because I mean, you talk about two of the greatest talents ever to, to turn on a microphone. Tom Ryan. I mean, so he's a split. So you either love him or you're not a big fan personally, you know, I think cause he is, um, sarcastic and he, um, doesn't, give a crap. <laughs> so, um, I loved him. Uh, him and I got along great. And, um, in fact, I would say, you know, I felt so bad. His wife, um, lived majority of the time in Florida. She works for Disney. She has a big role in, at Disney. And so he would fly down on the weekends or she would fly up. And I remember one time we were at the grocery store and he was buying one steak and one potato. And I'm like, Tom, this is breaking my heart. Can we, can we, ha let's have dinner. Let's have dinner because this is breaking my heart. Um, but he's like, Oh no, I'm used to it. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. But, um, but I just remember like some people just, he rubbed the wrong way, but I loved him. I, I come from a family of sarcastic people, I guess. And so it was, he was right up my alley. Um, and I remember Christmas time, he would buy me things and people were like, 
I got these lame chocolates from him. How did you get that? I'm like, <laughs> him and I just got along great. But, um, and you know, and I was, I was really disappointed. I mean, I was gone at this time, but that he was let go. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I'm like, come on, just let him ride out well, the last few years. Everybody remembers the Count Scary, but uh, my first exposure to Tom Ryan and Dick Burton was the Porsche call. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the infamous, well, you know that Dick Burton did those put on calls. Go, right, ba- right, right. go back and listen to the Porsche call because I think that's the one that really got the fame and ba- made those uh, those those calls famous. But moving on, do you have a favorite memory uh, or two of, from your radio career that you could share? And you look back and say, "Oh my gosh, if that was if not for radio, that would have never happened to me." Oh gosh, I mean, a lot of that stuff would have never happened. I mean, I had so many opportunities, and even now in my life now. So that was also in the days of the Red Wings were really hot, and they had won a couple back to back um, Stanley cups. And so we did a lot with them. Um, we may have closed a few bars down with a few of those players. (laughs) And, um, but even now, so their photographer, Dave, he, um, he did my, my daughter's senior pictures last year. And I would have never had that opportunity, um, to have, you know, this is like the Red Wings photographer and he's, you know, and then I'm, we have plans to do some promotions and marketing stuff for my business now um, coming up here, but so, you know, getting to, and that's, I always kept, I always kept relationships the best I could. Um, you know, people obviously move all over, but thank goodness for like Facebook and then you can keep in touch. Um, I know my kids tease me. They say Facebook's for old people, but, um, that's okay because we're all old here in the radio business, the people that I worked with. So (laughs) we're all on it. Um, but it's nice to see where people end up and see the successes of, of people you worked with. And, you know, so, but yeah, I had a lot of opportunities I would have never had, had I not gotten into that industry. One final question. What do you think in you, from your perspective has been the biggest change to terrestrial radio from the time you began your career to the way it is now? I feel it's, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong because I'm not in it, but I don't feel it's as fun. (laughs) I don't know, everything's, um, so when I was just leaving 96, they started with the digital editing and stuff. I mean, we were doing reel to reel and, you know, doing that, that kind of editing. Now they, you know, they do, everything's digital. Like there's, so I don't even know, like you, now the laptop is what runs everything at remote stuff before you had your, um, you know, your engineer and you had this huge setups and your communicating between the, um, the station and the, wherever you're at. And so it's just, it's different. It's, it's definitely progressed and has, um, it's, I mean, it's the digital world, I guess, but, um, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe cause I'm just not in it anymore, but maybe I just was fun cause I was there and I loved it. Yeah. Well, you, you are truly one of the people that can say back in my day, it yep, was the yep. best. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was, I, I, we had such a great group of people. Um, like Johnny in the morning I worked with, um, and at 96, and that was the best core group of people. We did everything together. They were just, you know, whether we were doing something like we were partying at, you know, someone's house or if we were doing, you know, and it was, we worked together, we played together. We had, it was just a fun group of people and a great, great time. Holly Cardinal, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me. And as we wrap, I want to thank you again for tuning in and please share this podcast with your friends. Also, thanks again to the talented Holly Cardinal. Today's show is produced by Ron Robinson Studios. If you need professional marketing videos, photography, headshots, maybe you need drone video from a licensed drone pilot, head over to ronrobinsonstudios.com where you can also hear previous episodes 
of Radio Days, the podcast there and as well. In addition, if you want to learn more about my upcoming documentary about the history of radio, that can also be found at ronrobinsonstudios.com. Tune in next week. I'll have another episode for you of Radio Days, the podcast. Until then. You can't go. All the plants are going to die.